0: good afternoon welcome to light shed live with your hosts rich greenfield brandon ross and walter pisik very good imitation, Walt. <laughs>
1: uh, I think what I like best about Walt is that it's sort of that it's perfect for today because it's very soothing and That's relaxing, which is <laughs> which is sort of the mood we're trying to get into for a he- conversation about headspace is We're trying to de stress, relax a little bit. COVID's been very get it, stressful. Get into
2: your happy space. So this Everyone, is like last week, Rich. We
0: were trying to de Rich was trying to de stress on vacation. And then on one of our calls, he said, this is the best vacation ever. The Wi-Fi is great.
3: <laughs>
4: oh, no. No, no, that that, that is sense. an
1: exact that is an exact quote. I, w- I mm-hmm. will admit to that. That was an exact quote from vacation last week. But I, I was literally emailing back and forth with Sean on my vacation. So uh, he knows that was true. And I think he even he even texted me at one point. I can see you're really relaxing. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> to, to which he responded with a, a picture of uh, of him on a jet ski. So that was the proof yeah. he was actually on vacation.
1: At
2: least trying to be. That yeah, was the best. Per, he did like 15 minutes of jet skiing so that he could throw an Instagram <laughs> up and pretend he was actually on vacation. The only vacation that Springfield has is when his wife takes his phone away, literally. <laughs> But very few people know he also has an Android phone that he uses for experimentation, and then he just goes in the bathroom and texts all of (laughs) us. That's so funny.
1: (laughs) So funny. Um, Okay. Well, thank you all for joining us for the next edition of Light Shed Live. We're really excited to have Cece and Sean from Headspace, uh, Walt Pysik and Brandon, uh, Ross, my partners. We're excited to kind of dig into Headspace. And I want to start actually with Sean. Um, because I've known Sean, I think Brandon and I have known Sean for a really long time now from sort of the early days of Headspace. And I thought just given that you're the the, the, the long-term veteran of this company, having seen all of essentially the, the capital raising throughout the company's history, I thought maybe it would be great to just start start about like, as you look back on Headspace over your career there, how, how has the company changed? Like, as you think about sort of the core mission and what you and Andy and the team were trying to build What's really changed over that period of time that you've been at at Headspace?
3: Yeah, great question. Well, thanks thanks for having us. First of all, Rich, it's a this real pleasure. So, um so I think you know, what might be helpful in answering this question is just sort of a quick timeline of sort of, you know, when was Headspace started, when did I join, and sort of how has it evolved? Uh, so Headspace was founded in 2010 by Rich and Andy as uh, originally actually as an events business. It was an offline business where folks would buy tickets and they'd come to seminars and Andy would you know, teach them how to be more mindful. Um, and I think they realized you know, after not too long that that was not terribly scalable. Um, and so they set about basically creating an app to effectively replicate the in-person experience. So the app was launched in uh, 2012. It was the first ever meditation app and it was super simple. It was a singular journey where you would literally show up to the app and you would press play. There was nothing you could select. There was no topic you could select. You you did a session, you came back to the next day, you did the next session and it was sort of preordained uh, after 300. And, and, and it was a 365 day journey. I always used to joke with the guys that uh, that was great for ease of calculating LTV because once you were done with 365 days, it was like, all right, we'll see you later. Good luck with the best of your, you know, with the rest of your life. Uh, but not so great for maximizing uh, said LTV. Um, so I, I joined in, in early 2014, and, and the product was still the same. We went about a sort of major redesign of the product in the in uh, July of 2014. Uh, when I joined, it was before we'd raise any capital. We were about a dozen employees working out of a small house in Venice Beach, California. There were no engineers, no PMs, no marketers. There was an intern kind of managing the books. Uh, the team was primarily sort of content folks and, and designers. So, you know, obviously there were a lot of gaps. Um, the, the sort of ex- the, the environment outside of Headspace was no one was talking about mental health, right? It was still uh, kind of a taboo topic. Meditation was niche. You know, that went for me too. When I joined the company, I'd never meditated. Um, and, and ironically, I think I had a lot of the sort of stereotypes that we worked so hard to, um, to kind of break down over the past, you know, six or seven years. Uh, but if you fast forward to today, obviously the Wait, product- man,
1: Can I just stop you before you sure. fast forward? <clears throat> when you say the stereotypes, maybe just step back and explain what you mean by that. Cause I think that's an important point.
3: Well, I think people thought of meditation as sort of a spiritual activity. They thought of it as maybe a bit niche, maybe um it had to do with religion. They didn't realize that meditation is to the health of your mind what working out and eating right is to the health of your physical body. Uh, and so it was not a it was not like a cool thing to do. It was not a mainstream thing to do. You know if you meditated, you were almost viewed as, a little bit, almost a bit weird. You know, it reminds me of, of the amazing Phil Knight, uh, biography, shoe dog, where he tells a story about kind of going jogging in the seventies and people would like make fun of you and say, Hey, why don't you get a horse? And it was like a kind of weird thing to do. And I think, I still you know, that, that was, <laughs> you know, that, w- that is a little bit where we were with meditation as recently as 2014. You know, when I joined the company,
0: But well, CC you joined last year. Um, from Intuit, was there a lot of meditation going on at at Intuit? (laughs) Because that seems like kind of an odd transition from a a company like that. Can you just tell us kind of what what was the appeal um, for your switch? What attracted you to the company?
4: Yeah, I'm happy to do that. And to answer your question, um, there was some meditation happening at Intuit, but to Sean's point, it was very niche oriented. But um, besides the obvious of getting to work with someone as amazing as Sean, Um, you know, there were really three things that, that I was most motivated and inspired by in terms of coming to headspace. And the first one was, you know, just, it was an authentic purpose-driven company. So we've got this vision of improve the health and happiness of the world, which is beautiful, but the fact that it is credible expertise backed by science, where we do clinical studies to prove the efficacy of what we're doing to reduce stress, to reduce anxiety and to improve resilience. That was number one appealing to me. The second part was the size of the opportunity. If you think about it, forty-six percent of us will have a diagnosable mental health condition in our lifetime. Most of that is stress and anxiety. Sixty percent of that goes untreated and undetected. Um, and you know, if you then look at what's happening with the digitization, are you
1: profiling? Are you are you profiling me right now? Or
4: I'm going to get to that.
1: Okay. And then, and then
4: we're going to deliver some help to you. Okay. But, but if you then look at what's happening with technology where we're digitizing healthcare, because one of the reasons it goes untreated is lack of access and cost. And so what we've been able to do is is expand the access at a very low price point and make these kinds of services available to everyone. And the TAM that's available because of that is, you know, several trillion dollars. So the opportunity was super inspiring to me and the use of technology. And the, and the final one was you know, probably what I thought I could bring to it, which is, um, you know, thinking about things like network effects that could occur as we harness the data that comes from these uh, engagements to deliver really super personalized experiences that get better every day based on use. Um, and so those those were the key areas that, uh, that drew me to Headspace.
0: So, so two words really popped out to me there, um, purpose-driven, because this is a term that Brandon uses quite often in terms of when we talk about some of the audio apps that are out there, like his he's kind of bullish on clubhouse being a purpose driven. And we're talking about like, can that be better integrated? I also think about my own use of uh, Apple fitness where I just yeah. want to stretch and then they add meditation at the end. It's not, I'm not going to Apple fitness <laughs> to meditate, but they're trying to mix it in there. So, you know, how, how, I don't know, maybe Brandy, you should ask the question because, <laughs> because you're the expert on purpose driven, but maybe just your thoughts on. The important- Are you asking about competition? Well, yeah, just it, it, competition or, or just the importance of purpose-driven for an app, like how critical do you think that is to succeed in this, in this space?
4: Are you asking me? I am. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry I couldn't yeah, tell yeah, you were yeah. asking Brandon. Sorry. Um, yeah. no, no, um, um, I think it's super critical, but candidly, I think purpose driven in business overall has become more and more important. and I think next generations are finding that even more important. People want to work in a place where they feel like what we're doing is good for society. Um, and you know from our standpoint, the fact that we the science of ours is very important to us because we want to make sure that what we're actually telling people to do, that we can prove that it's going to deliver a benefit for them. Um, But but I think there's plenty of research out there now that speaks to the importance of being a purpose-driven organization. And when you can put meat behind it with science, it's very powerful.
2: I think another question that Walt might be asking is, why shouldn't this be a feature of Spotify as opposed to, its own separate destination?
4: Well, first of all, I think it's great. The more that this is talked about, the broader the awareness of what mindful living is. That's going to be the the word I'm going to use right here. Mindful living, mental wellness. The more that's talked about, I think that's great. So uh, it's like when somebody asks about competition, I embrace competition because it expands. You have to think about this mental health. Um, was in the shadows, what COVID did was bring it to the forefront. And that is one of the best part. That is the only good thing I can think about with COVID. But it is a good thing because it's now being talked about. And Sean referenced this, you know, if we're not taking care of our mind um, the same way we take care of our physical being, we're missing, you know, probably the most important part of who we are. Um, So so the, the awareness of everybody talking about this, I think, is great. Now, um, why should this come from Headspace, I guess, versus from somewhere else? First of all, I don't have any issue with that being on the end of a workout from somebody else. Again, it's just part of completing the process. What I think Headspace does differently, though, is ours is based on science. So we are very deliberate about the exact path we're giving you to get to the outcome you came to us for. So, you know, but beyond just you know, breathing better or being calmer, we're focused on, did we measurably reduce your stress and anxiety?
2: You just mentioned calmer. Um, and we we were t- on the topic of competition. So can, can you draw some distinctions between what you're doing at Headspace and the other sort of 800-pound gorilla in this space, Calm, and how potential investors or people in the industry can think about um, these applications differently.
4: Yes, I, I can. And, and by the way, I still support my comment, which I think competition makes us all better. It's yeah. super, super healthy. Um, and so I never also want to be talking about what someone else's strategy is because they should do that. So I'll speak to why I think ours is unique. Um, so we think about mental health on a continuum of there is um Uh, mental health promotion and prevention. And then there is uh, mental health, like chronic condition management. And then there is curation for the more, uh, more complex issues. And we started on this end of the spectrum where it would be more on the promotion and prevention. And we're moving further into the continuum of mental health management. Um, In our solutions, we are looking at what do we do from sunrise to sunset? To guide you through your day so that you have a mindful living day. So if you if you open the app, one of the things that you'll see now that wasn't there previously is there's a day list for you of things to do. Now what we're starting to do is apply machine learning to that um, to guide you through what should your what should you do when you first wake up? What should your eating look like? Um, what should your movement look like? Why should you be listening to music while you're working? What will that do for you? And John Legend will be happy to tell you all about that. And then, um, you know, what should you do with your kids during homework at night? And how should you go to sleep? So from our perspective, it's not about just single events. It's about guiding you to get you to whatever outcome you came to us for. We now ask you for your PSS, which is your perceived stress score. And so we're tracking how are we doing in terms of getting that to where it should be for you. And then again, you know, we're very based on science. So we have, you know, clinic, 26 clinical studies that are already published an equal number still in, in the works with various universities, um, healthcare providers and employers. So I think our focus is very scientific, but playful. So, so I just people want people think sorry.
2: about you as a meditation app. You're not really a meditation app anymore, even though that was your Genesis, you're much more than that, guiding people through their entire day and helping them with their overall lifestyle. Is that correct? Excellent
4: point. Excellent point. We've gone from meditation to mental wellness and health.
1: And so maybe just explain for a second what that, you know, give people who haven't used it. Cause I, I, as much as I'd like everybody who's listening to download the Headspace app and try it out for people that have not done it, Maybe just give people an understanding, because obviously, if you just try it as a free user, you're really just getting sort of the traditional meditation that goes back to the early days of of what, you know, Sean was talking about before. But could you maybe elaborate a little bit on what you're trying to explain what you, sort of the answer to Brandon's question about the the, the the entire day? What does that look like versus the traditional experience that you're providing that's included now with your subscription?
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, So if you're exactly right, if you just are looking at the free experience, you're getting some basic meditation, which is, you know, good training for people on what does meditation look like. But if you're using the full app, especially as we've released it now. um, So we have so much content, ridiculous amounts of content in a good way. What we needed to do was take that content and start to deliver it to you in a way that makes sense for you specifically. So, you know, Brandon wakes up in the morning and there's going to be a wake up message and it's a story. Um, And Brandon can listen to the story. Then there's going to be a recommendation on Brandon breathing and when he should be breathing, then it's going to suggest to him, you need to get some movement. And you typically like to run on the Nike app, you know, here, you know, go to the Nike app, which we partner with Nike for runs, or whatever it is you choose to do, you're going to get some exercise. And then you're going to be thinking about what you're going to eat. And so you might say, I need to be more mindful about what I'm eating. And you're going to go through an experience on here's some tips on how to think about that. And then you know, you've got kids at home and you've got to get them working on the homework and you're going to get some um, prompts on here's some things you can do with your kids to get through the homework period, or you may be having some stress at work and there'll be a pack that you can listen to that will help you with that. And then at night, you may want to listen to a sleep cast uh, and that, that puts you to sleep, but you'll get a stream of things that, that suggest to you do this And then we'll learn from it based on what you select and how you rate it.
1: So when you think about COVID, I I think I share your view. I think we all do that COVID, there aren't a lot of good things about COVID. But, you know, clearly we've seen businesses that have exploded due to COVID. Video gaming comes to mind as one of the categories that was explosive. Obviously, video streaming overall took off, um, e-commerce at home. Alcohol sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, uh, absolutely. I- I'm curious what can you, what can both of you tell us? Sort of what happened to your business over the last 12 months from a uh, subscribers, users, monetization, like what what changed over the last year? Because I, it, to your point, this obviously it, it sounds like this was actually good for your business as much as I don't want to say that.
3: It's true, but Sean, let, why don't you start off? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, you're right, it has been good for the business. I think we would have preferred that obviously, we weren't in a global pandemic, and our business was maybe a little bit softer. But uh, I think what's happened is there's been a huge spike in the need for these kinds of immensely scalable, effective solutions. And we see that both on the consumer side and on the enterprise side. There's this incredible stat, um, just to take enterprise as an example. I think it came from um, CB Insights that. They track the number of times that mental health was uh, mentioned in uh, quarterly earnings calls from CEOs, and they tracked it going back, you know, a few years. And suffice to say that, you know, post COVID, the number of times that it was mentioned it it like six or seven x. I mean, it's just been this. We've seen this huge spike in uh, demand from our enterprise customers for uh, basically, you know, solutions to solve the mental health crisis among their employees. Uh, and so we've obviously leaned into that, you know, uh, pretty dramatically and we feel proud that we've been able to, you know, really move the needle around, um, around employee mental health, similar trends on the consumer side. I think what's happened is folks have just realized that, um, it's okay to acknowledge that you are stressed and that you are going through a hard time and that you are suffering from, uh, mental health issues and to, you know, seek help. And our product is, uh an incredibly you know effective uh, relatively inexpensive you know solution uh that has a lot of validation um through all the partnerships that we do whether it's you know Nike Netflix Starbucks Microsoft Whole Foods the NBA you know the list goes on and on those so we've par- really
2: those partnerships you're talking about are those corporations that are giving your app to their employees or integrations well, or both?
3: Yeah, a little bit of both. So in the context of what I was just referring to, I was not talking about them in the context of enterprise customers, although okay. many of them are enterprise customers. I was talking more in the context of, you know, true partnerships where, for instance, with, um, you know, with Nike, CC was alluding to this, we have, uh, you know, we've basically Um, co-created content together that sits in their app. That's part of, you know, Nike training club and Nike run club, uh, Netflix. I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, the Netflix, uh, TV series. Well, you know, we've, we've signed a a three season, you know, deal with Netflix. So I was talking more about them as true partners as opposed to enterprise customers.
0: Can we talk a little bit about just the metrics that are important to you? Obviously the with the pandemic and maybe downloads, Uh, We're up but but like kind of how do you rank order from conversions to subs you know active users on a daily monthly whatever however you want to do it like what are the metrics that that you measure your your internal success by and how those been trending
3: yeah so I, i can talk at a high level about the sort of business metrics and then cc maybe you want to talk more about sort of product metrics but you know we um for us, the sort of order of importance at, at, at this stage of where we're at is sort of subscriber growth first, revenue growth second, mm-hmm. and then, you know, unit economics third. And so we have a whole bunch of... So but um, even starting
0: on the first one with subscriber growth. Is that, is that just conversion from downloads? So is that a part of subscriber growth?
3: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's basically the whole funnel, right? So it's conversion yeah. from downloads plus obviously retention. And then, you know, we obviously have a... Um, a smaller but very, you know, very rapidly growing subscriber cohort in our enterprise uh, segment, and so we obviously, you know, track them both. And obviously, the funnel works yeah. differently in enterprise. We're not, we're not, um, you know, trying to get an install. We're more trying to, you know, do an enterprise sale and then have a an engagement campaign through the enterprise. Yep. Um, but that's the sort of order of operations of how we how we think about things. And CC, I don't know if you want to talk about about uh, R F M or anything like that.
4: Yeah, you know, um, Sean mentioned that um, subscriber growth, or which members is what we refer to them as, uh, is yep. super important to us. But we measure it from the standpoint of, you know, we first look at what's the benefit we're delivering uh, that, and that we need to deliver to them. And so, as a result of that, we do focus on R F M or recency, frequency, monetary. And so, we do look at recency is super important to us, and we track daily active users, weekly active users, monthly active users. But we also look at Um, the breadth of services that they're using. So are they using meditation? Are they using sleep? Are they using movement? So the, the diversity of content that they're using is super important to us. It also guides the pathways of the journeys that I was talking about earlier, but we can, we can point to when we see high frequency and then breadth of use, uh, that contributes then to retention, uh, which is how we look at, we look at monetary from an LTV standpoint.
0: So the correlation to churn then is if someone's breadth of usage starts to narrow, do you have an outreach program in, in terms of helping to get that? Like, how does that process work to reduce retention on their everyday usage? Because I think of like I come from a wireless world and they've got some AI there. If they see changes in your patterns, they're reaching out to you or if you're about to come off of a phone. Like, what? how do you guys uh, attack that issue?
4: Yeah, it, it it's a it's a really timely question because uh, the the use of AI in this method for us is actually newer for us, and we've we've attached it to this R F M that I talked about. So we've identified our and segmented our member base based on R F M, and so what it enables us to do is look at what are the characteristics of each of the different segments. Like what's the best RFM model and then second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And then we can see when does somebody slip within that segment and it causes us to reach out to them and say, Hey, your breadth needs to increase or, you know, frequency, you know, we're trying to understand
0: what, what is that action? What is, what is the action plan then in that case, if you, you find an individual user or maybe a bunch of users within an enterprise customer, is is there a specific action plan to try and get them to use the product more?
4: It's more, so you remember when I was talking about the dynamic playlist, that is where it will show up. So gotcha. if we're seeing something, because we really want to get this to a unit of one. Yep. Um, and so if we see something about your behavior changing, then it, it will change in the dynamic playlist. Understood.
0: Interesting. And just one last question before, I think Brian had one, but is, is it, was that internally developed or was, did you use an outside vendor to, to help with that, that AI development?
4: We are. We're actually partnering with the University of Toronto um, in helping us to deliver them. But they are. They will be owned models by Headspace.
0: Got it.
2: I want to get back um, to kind of tie um, the KPI question a little bit to the competition question, and how um, how do your subscriber numbers stack up against your competition? Generally, is is how I want to start it.
3: Well, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, our sort of classically defined competitors are also private companies, so it's hard to do apples to apples comps. And you can look at, you know, third party uh, services like App Annie, et cetera, to try and, you know, triangulate, which obviously we do. But yeah, I mean, I think um, I think it also depends on how you define the competitive space. So, you know, we've talked about Com, Yes, they are a competitor. I'd say more so on D2C, I think in enterprise, um, there are other um, uh, kind of mental health solutions that you know we track. So we we sort of take a I'd say a fairly broad you know view of competition, and I think that you know we feel really good about how our business stacks up across you know all stages of the of the funnel. I I would
4: just a hundred percent, Sean. And the only thing I'd probably add to that is you know I I, I think uh, on the on the uh, enterprise space, um, you know the growth we've had in just uh, you know, really 12 to 18 months um, is almost on par with what some people in the mental health sector have done over a decade. So our, I mean, we've, we've literally surpassed in the number of of enterprises and uh, active end users. So that has been, you know, super compelling.
0: So can you just get yeah, think- a sense of what, what, what the size, some of these key metrics, like what is the size of the customer base? How is, what's the churn rate look like? And, you know. What's the average life of the customer? And anything that you're willing to share would be awesome.
3: Well, you know, we don't disclose the, the the sort of minutia of the funnels. We don't disclose retention rates, et cetera. I mean, what I can tell you, we started we started the conversation around sort of how has it evolved. But I think I talked about what it looked like back then, but not what it looked like today. So
1: let me. We we did me cut me go you ahead. off, so that's fair. I no, that's okay. Off,
3: so. That's okay. That's okay. But let me let me sort of paint that picture a little bit. So if you if you rewind, sort of where we were, and you know, when I joined in 14. Obviously, I mentioned no. You know, we hadn't raised capital. We had a lot of gaps just in terms of capabilities. Obviously, fast forward to today, we talked a little bit about, about the product evolution. It's evolved significantly. Well, it's evolved from basically a singular uh, sort of meditation journey into this multifaceted kind of comprehensive mental health and wellness uh, products. And we've talked about the sort of subcomponents of that. We've talked about the brand evolution. So it went from no one had really heard about it to today. I think it's more of a household household name. We talked about the partnerships and and sort of all the all the um, great stuff that we're doing around sort of driving that awareness. The operations of the business have, have also become a lot more mature. I mean, obviously, we recruited world class talent in CC to join us as CEO. We uh, have a really strong you know uh, product design and engineering team. We just announced that we've recruited the head of growth out of Hulu, who joined us this week as CMO. Um, and so we've become a lot more sophisticated in how we operate the business. And so, as a result, no surprise, you know, the metrics have all changed dramatically, right? So we've gone from a business that had, I think when I joined something like twenty thousand subscribers to today we have millions of paying subscribers. You know, this is a business that has a top line well over two hundred million. It's obviously a very high wow. margin business. Um And so, yeah, I mean, we're really proud around around the growth. But I think that the other thing to say, and we've touched on this a little bit is that, Obviously, awareness around mental health and the um, you know sort of the normalization of mental health uh, have have come a long way too. And I don't think we can you know take credit for that, but I'd like to think that we've played a, a small part in kind of normalizing that that movement. So yeah, big you know lots has changed since since twenty fourteen.
0: So I mean that's an amazing numbers, but when you when you think about turn uh, revenue, like when you think about focusing on growth. Like is the internal issue like we want members in enterprise. That's going to be our growth engine. We want, you know, whatever new services, better retention. Like how do you, con- what What do you think are the, the key drivers to, to grow that, that number even larger?
3: Well, the enterprise business is, is, you know, smaller than significantly smaller than consumer business, but it's just on fire. I mean, it's just growing at a ridiculous rate. Um, there is a lot more. Upside in the consumer business, so we would be remiss if we took our eye off of that ball. And so, uh, CC was talking, for instance, about the use of AI. There's just, just even in the in the first sort of few months of deploying some of these models. I mean, we've just seen but step when you change. say that you're,
0: you're implying growth as a result of reducing churn. Is, is that, no,
3: not just reducing churn; it could be improving conversion too.
0: Improving conversion um, of the regular users into subs. Gotcha. Yeah, yep. and
3: then if you work your way. Go ahead, Cece.
4: Well, the, no, I, I'm sorry, Sean, but I was just going to say, uh, just answering your question, um, we see growth in both. Um, so so it's not one or the other. The, the rate of growth may be higher in enterprise, but um, sure. our focus on D2C hasn't changed at all. And in fact, you know, we actually see a combination of things that come together um, because you know, we, we work with healthcare providers, and, and a good share of our uh, referrals come from healthcare providers where we also make our offering free to them. They refer that to consumers. Consumer brand awareness is really high. So when we go into the enterprise, um, the employees know who we are, and our adoption in an enterprise at launch is 25 to 30%, which is incredible. Just and before then- you
0: do anything, like the original, you, make, you do your intro email 25, 30% right from the start.
4: Well, we do some kickoffs just to be, you know, to be right, clear. Right, not we like
0: do. the follow-ups of like, you know,
4: no, no the I HR mean, I
0: department sending you the email. Have you signed up? Your, you know,
4: that's but. right. That's right. We start out with this large uh, adoption rate, and again, that goes back to our brand awareness. And then we work with the payers to uh, talk to them about what's included and in what they cover uh, from an insurance standpoint. And so we we actually describe this as an ecosystem, and we work all parts of that ecosystem, including international.
2: You said you had millions of subscribers. What do you think your TAM is? The market, you is yeah, out? well, the
4: market overall. So, you know, as I described this continuum, the market overall in mental health is trillions. So, several trillion. Um, and so, you know, the opportunity for us is it's enormous. And so, which is why we're so excited. It's also the reason that we felt the need to bring in some, you know, world-class talent that is used to growing at that scale, but it's, it's enormous.
1: And maybe just to tie into Brandon's question on kind of U.S. versus global, how global is Headspace? I mean, it it seems like this, you know, is it localized in 50 countries? Like where, where are you on that global journey?
4: So yeah, it's um. There's there's a couple of things to think about here. There's we may be utilized in you know a hundred plus countries, but some of that just naturally happens. Um, and we are, and we've got language considerations uh, where we've we've uh, uh, converted the language in. Is it six now, Sean? Uh, five,
3: five, five
4: in nice five year. countries. But what we've found is just as important is that we have localized content and localized. Voices, not just language, but literally people that they know from their country, and so that's what we've started to. That's what we've started to do and ha- and have launched. And Rich, we're you know, if you look at us today, but but, I,
1: but is it fair to say that the vast majority of users are still domestic, or is that an incorrect assumption?
4: Half of about uh, half of our users are international.
1: Got it. That's right.
4: Yeah. With with, uh, with the preponderance in um, Europe, obvious, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, but we're, uh, you know, we're in the process of exploring our other countries as well. I
3: think, I think if I just, you look at, I was just going to say, if you look at um, penetration rates in countries that sort of look and feel like the US, so similar socioeconomic, you know, demos, and you look at sort of what's the smartphone population and what's our install base in those countries, and then you compare that to more mature markets like the US or the UK, you know, in a lot of these markets, they're sort of 10x Room for growth, just to even get to the parity, just to even get to, to parity of where we are in the more mature markets. Before you, uh, before you start thinking about sort of pouring a bunch of marketing dollars, et cetera, in there. So, a ton of upside internationally.
0: Maybe we can just level set our audience really quickly. Just can you just kind of go through what is free versus what's paid for, and then and then in, in order to increase conversions, have you tweaked that at all in terms of taking yes. stuff away from the free? To, to, and what was successful versus what wasn't? So if you you just kind of give us that holistic look at how that, how that works. Thanks.
3: Yeah, it's a great question. So look, the product is a freemium product to be clear. So even though we offer a free trial uh, it's not, we don't sort of shut you out if you don't go through the free trial, or even if you go through the free trial and decide not to convert. Um, And so what is available in the free tier is basically a sampling of the content, not just the meditation content, but you know, if you take SleepCast as an example, which are the sort of um, the sort of nighttime, you know, stories that will that will sort of lull you to sleep. Uh, if you're a paying subscriber, you have access to the entire library, which is you know hundreds of sleep guests. If you're a free uh, member, you will have ha- access to just a, a small handful of them, uh, and that's true. Well, really all
1: all the- voiced by you, correct? <laughs> the free ones are only <laughs> Sean's voice to fall asleep to to. Uh,
3: I don't think that would be a very uh, effective conversion lever. <laughs> let's just let's just leave it at that. But um, Uh, But that's true, you know, really across the the various verticals. And so this is really important to us from a mission perspective. We want to make sure that, you know, if you can't afford to pay for the product, we're always making available some basic set of tools. And we just think that's, you know, we kind of owe that to society. It also happens to be really good business. You know, our conversion has this really, really long tail. I mean, if you take a cohort that's five years old from registration, there are members of that cohort that are converting today for the first time or converting next month or converting the month after that. Um, and so it's, it's really important, you know, for us to build out that, that uh, large base of engaged free members.
4: You know, if I just added something on to the, um, how do we think about extending that? One of the interesting ways that we're seeing this extend is through some of the things that we're doing in media. Um, so, you know, if you look at Netflix, in essence, it is a set of free content that we're delivering, uh, through media. And, um, you know, it, it's a great method for us to increase brand awareness. It's not a monetization play for us. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, they cover the cost of the, of us producing the content. So it's incredible marketing with somebody else telling our story. Um, and so that is an, it, it, it is also a way to open up the understanding of what mindfulness looks like and Sesame street is the same, which is geared just towards youth. Um, But, but those are, those are channels that also deliver free content.
1: So when you think about sort of the, the marketing funnel of how you do this, uh, I want to really dig into the marketing end of this. Like what's the core pitch? Like, is it, does it start with meditation? Does it start with like sleep for certain people? Like how, how do you think about how you market to that, you know, obviously the the billions of people that you believe need this in their lives, you have only a few million subscribers. And I'm not saying that's a negative, but I'm saying obviously there's a lot of runway ahead of you. But like, how do you position the company for a new user? And then I want to get into sort of sort of the specifics of how you actually do the marketing.
4: Yeah, um, and this is an area that is has evolved for us just in the last uh, last half of this year. So. Um, we've changed the tone away from meditation, which is such a great point that you brought up, Rich, because that is what everything would have said before, to now we're talking more about taking care of your mind, taking care of yourself. So those are the messages that go out there. We will be very specific based on what campaigns we might be running. So for example, you can imagine with sleep uh, launching with Netflix this month, there's a lot of material out there on sleep. So that would make sense. What we're what we're now doing uh, is targeting the message once you come to the app based on why you came to it, whereas previously you would go through the same process, no matter what reason you came to the app. Now, if you came because you clicked on something about sleep, you will see an onboarding uh, pathway that is about sleep. If you came for mindful eating, you'll see that pathway or movement or music. Um, So we're now able to guide you based on why you came to us. And then once you're in there, I'll revert back again to then your experience will start to show you this daily journey.
1: And, you know, I I guess one of the I think a lot of the people listening to this are aware that sort of app marketing is about to change pretty notably. And you live in a world where I assume, you know, when I talk to direct to consumer brands um, like yourselves that have apps everyone sort of says the gold standard is Facebook and Instagram and, you know, things like Snapchat and Twitter and TikTok, like they're all, they're all working better than they used to. But, you know, app installs are sort of the way that, you know, marketing on app installs is sort of the, how most companies drive their business. Apple's about to put in some very major changes and would sort of love your view on what does that mean for headspace in 21 and 22? And are you prepared and how do you think, how do you think it's going to affect you?
4: You know, but before we jump right into that, if I could just add one quick thing, Sean, because, you know, when we think about marketing and one of the things that's really great for Headspace is um, the number one thing, the best way for marketing is word of mouth, right? You've delivered a benefit. Other people are talking about it. Which then shows up the way we track it as organic growth. And for us, organic growth, word of mouth, that is actually the strongest lever for brand awareness for us. And, and most of our, uh, most of our customer growth comes from organic. So that's a really good place to play. Having said that, we also do paid marketing for sure. And so Sean, go ahead on, on the question about Apple.
3: Yeah, I think it's a great question. So look, with the upcoming IDFA changes, I think it's still too early to tell. Um, I think the good news is CC is saying is, look, the majority, even at this scale, you know, where last year our products downloaded tens of millions of times, the, the majority of that top of funnel is organic. We don't pay for it. So it's driven by word of mouth. It's driven by PR. It's driven by people just organically talking about it. Um, and so while we do run you know, performance marketing and, and sort of marketing more broadly, we're not doing the level of kind of micro targeting that uh, IDFA changes are really gonna impact at least from sort of all the research that we've done. Uh, we do spend you know, money with Facebook and Instagram, but it's a relatively small proportion of our spend. Um, and we also think that web is a really interesting uh, platform for us to optimize. So really since inception, uh, we have had a significant sort of proportion of our uh paying member base where we have direct relationships with them meaning com- the conversion event has not occurred you know through the app stores um and and we think that there's a lot of opportunity around a sort of richer you know web uh experience and a, and a richer kind of um web flow so uh, and then the only other thing to say is i guess you know b2b is obviously a big you know growth lever and and they are obviously acquisition has nothing to do with uh, you know, uh, IDFA or, you know, Facebook advertising. So I think it's a great question. Uh, I think it's still too early to tell them, you know, at the end of the day, we'll be learning like, you know, like everyone else. And we certainly, you know, don't have all the answers yet, but our initial assessment is we don't think it's a you know huge threat to our, to our growth.
2: We've actually had some questions come in from the audience over various mediums, some by email. Um, If you want to ask a question, please just type it into the chat and we'll try and get to it, Um, but, or in the Q and A, but the first one that we got, um, I just wanted to read to you guys says headspace gave away subscriptions for free in 2020 for COVID. What kind of conversion into paid subs has the company seen so far?
3: Uh, well, we gave it away for, for free in 2020 as part of COVID, be, first of all, because we felt it was the right thing to do. So specifically, I think the question is talking about, we gave it away to frontline uh, healthcare workers, not just in the US, but in Canada and the UK and France and the, you know, a few other countries. And then we gave it away for free to the unemployed. Obviously, you know that was uh, a huge economic hit uh, to our nation. And we felt like that was the right thing to do. Um, we've only recently sort of pulled back from that as the economy has, you know, started to recover. And so, we, we, you know, we don't disclose kind of what conversion looks like for that. Um, but it was not the, it was not the sort of point of the exercise, I guess.
4: And, and the 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 only add I'd have to that is the uh, free for healthcare provider and educators is a uh, durable free program and um, so so we're not looking to get conversion from them but what we do get from healthcare providers is referrals and uh, and it's a pretty large percentage of referrals that we get
3: from them yeah there- and the only thing I should have added sorry Brandon um, okay. was is just you know recall what I said a few minutes ago about having a large engaged you know free member population is really good for our business so uh, but that does tend to play out over long periods of time.
0: Could you also update us on um, the path to maybe getting some type of FDA approval to consider this as a digital therapeutic product? I would guess that, I don't know if this is connected, but certainly maybe that's something that would enable Medicare um, to pay for for these subscriptions for people or insurance companies to more easily include this as a part of their services. Well, mute, on you want to mute.
4: Sorry. Um, So right now, we don't have a definitive plan on getting FDA approval for this. There's a lot of uh, a lot of efforts that go into that. And so it's not the priority that we have right now. As we talked about the health continuum, uh, the further we go down that health continuum, that will start to be something that's more important for us. But what we're seeing right now is this is being covered by employers and we are seeing interest from uh, payers in incorporating this into their benefit plans uh, just from the standpoint of a mental health benefit program.
0: But that would be the, that, that's the, that would be an end of a company paying. Have you, have you had any um, success in an insurance company paying as part of their, what you're paying premiums to the insurance company as well?
4: We are engaged on that right now. I can't tell you that we have somebody that's made that, de- de- that definitive decision, but yep. we are seeing some traction there. I would expect to see something happen there.
0: Got it. Thanks.
1: So um, one of the questions that just came in was um, essentially, you know, the question is, a lot of people are talking about transcendental uh, meditation, whether it's Jerry Seinfeld or Ray Dalio. And if you're already disciplined in doing that, can you benefit from Headspace? Meaning, is that someone that you think also should be using Headspace or is that someone that you just exclude because they're already um, involved in that, like is Headspace for everybody else who isn't doing transcendental meditation, or can everybody benefit from Headspace? I think is the essential question.
4: You know, we see people. Um, so I have people that are very deep in uh, their own meditation lifestyles who still use Headspace, for for example, to engage with their kids because you know, the content that we have and the visuals that we have are intended to be quite playful, and so there may be content in there that was specific to COVID or specific to homework or Sesame Street, um, where they say from a family standpoint, this is important, even though it may not be something that they use for their day-to-day meditation because they have their own practice, but the diversity of the content or mindful eating uh, movement, they might like the fact that they have something that they can run to with Nike um, or the music component. So we do see people that
3: use both. And I just remind everyone that Headspace is much broader than just meditation, right? As we discussed earlier. And so there are, you know, meditation can be hard. Like not everyone is ready to sit down and spend 10, 20, 30 minutes, you know, meditating. There may be times where you just want a dose of health and happiness that, but you don't want to meditate. And, you know, I think our product does a nice job of, of uh, kind of surfacing those, those moments.
2: We got two questions in the chat um, from Nigel and wanted to ask those. First, how do you maintain revenue discipline as an industry given presumably very low marginal content costs?
3: Uh, well, I think these two questions are related. So I, I believe yeah. this question is getting at pricing, like given low marginal content costs, like why, you know is is it isn't there sort is it a race of to the around, bottom sort of under? right is yeah. r-
1: race to the bottom
3: yeah i think it's a i think it's um it's a it's a good question look i think this is this is not a commodity product if if that were the case we would never have gotten off the ground because there is an infinite number of free content right and so the fact that you can just go on youtube and um and get tons of like free meditation content is, uh, I think, proof that there is a, a, a real sort of market, you know, for what we provide. And I think the reason for that is, um, you know, we are not, while we have tons and tons of content, our business is not about like, oh, just consume a piece of content. It's about trying to teach someone a, a kind of lifelong practice around building healthy routines. And that's really what we obsess over. And that's really hard to do. You know, if you are struggling with stress or anxiety or sleep, these are really hard things to go and fix by just consuming a YouTube video here or a podcast there. You really need a kind of trusted partner to guide you through that uh, journey. And I think that that's, you know, fundamentally the role that, that we play. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I'd answer it. Cece, anything to add to that? I would have done the same thing.
1: So, so when Snapchat launched Minis, you were one of the launch partners for that product and you know i guess the question you know obviously it would seem like a really if to me it seems like a really interesting way to hit a younger audience and sort of get them into meditation much earlier and what i sort of love about minis and i think it's 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 still very early for snapchat like they haven't done a lot to sort of promote or talk about minis but but i like the idea of not having to download yet another app because i think that's one of the i'm i'm sure that's you know, a huge challenge for you all. And so I guess the the, the question becomes, how is that, go- first of all, how did they pick you? I mean, I know you're both LA-based companies. Is it that simple and, you know, both in the space? But like, is there a reason why you were one of their first partners and what's actually come of that so far?
4: You know, Sean, why don't you
1: get, right,
4: me- well, I was going to do the, uh, let me start, you pick up, we'll do it that way. Um, so our brand reputation is the reason that these partners pick us. And, and what's been really interesting, whether it's Netflix, whether it's Sesame Street, whether it's Snapchat, uh, Whole Foods, Microsoft. Um, so all of these have reached out to us and said, I'd like to have some content in our platform. And they do it because of the brand reputation. And it's, it's really interesting. And from our standpoint, Again, all this does is increase the exposure of the brand, which we think is great. Sean, if you want to talk about what's happened with the, uh, I don't know if we share the metrics on the Snapchat results. I don't.
3: We we yeah we we wouldn't share them just because of the agreement we have with Snap. But I think suffice to say that it's far exceeded our expectations. I think we went into it sort of like this is a great partner, a great opportunity to get exposure to um, a younger demo that's a very important to us we didn't really know what to expect, but the engagement has been not only um, like much, much bigger than we expected, but has sustained. So it's not like, a, it wasn't like a big spike when they launched and then it kind of dropped off. It has, it, you know, we've seen sustained engagement there. So really, and, really and, happy with that partnership.
1: And, and obviously the, the obvious follow-up to that is, have they converted, have you seen a meaningful conversion of people from a mini on Snapchat to downloading your app and actually subscribing? It's difficult to track
3: that, is the honest answer. Um, but again, the, the sort of goal with that demo is not necessarily to get conversion. You know, at, at, at inception, it's to um, get folks heavily engaged in our platform who who will be future uh, paying members of the service.
1: So when you think about Netflix and IGTV and all the things that CC was going about these are all, I mean, I, t- to me, and I know, you know, you're sort of going to laugh as I give this example, but I sort of think about what Barstool has done for pen Gaming and sort of the logic behind that acquisition of sort of tying content um, and trying to lower the customer acquisition cost by using content as essentially turning advertising or marketing into content itself. It, it feels like that's sort of what you two are building is like saying instead of going out and buying ads and buying app installs and all of that, we're trying to build our own content engine to be our acquisition funnel. Is that a reasonable like way to think about what you're doing?
4: I think it. I think it is. Um, uh, and. and- Increasing awareness of the category overall. So we see our, you know, again, very purpose driven company. So we're trying to increase awareness of it overall. And as a result of that, we increase awareness of our brand specifically. Absolutely. And as I mentioned, it's just such a great method for improving brand awareness because someone else is telling the story.
0: So let's shift back to Q&A with um, question on pricing. And I want to add to that, just competition in general. They're talking about questions about Headspace versus Calm and, and how Calm has a lifetime subscription of uh, $400. Uh, I don't think you have that now. Um, have you thought about adding a lifetime offer? Um, and then also maybe just take the opportunity to talk about the, kind of the the differences that you see in your product versus Calm.
3: I think on the lifetime, we used to have a lifetime Products and Mm -hmm. so, like anything, you know, we've done a ton of experimentation around sort of how to uh, how to set up different you know SKUs, how to price them. So we take a very sort of data driven experimentation led approach, and so uh, you know the the funnel that we have today is one that we've obviously iterated our way um, our way into. Uh, I think on the differences, I, I think that we covered that earlier, right? Didn't we talk about that earlier?
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. so so no plan, so you think you have enough data on the 400 or, or on a lifetime that you don't think that's necessary to come back to a pricing plan like that?
3: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, gotcha. we like I said, we we have had a lifetime uh, product in the past, but through experimentation, we've kind of realized that it's not optimal for our funnel. It may be working for their funnel, I don't know, but for our funnel, it's not the uh, the optimal path.
4: But we always reserve the right to learn new things and, and evolve. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Maybe just, to, I want to just tie back, because it, it sort of plays on these these last two questions. When you think about sort of the user base, who is your, like, what, what is the demo? I mean, you said you're half international and half US, but like, what is the demo? I mean, is it, Someone my age, meaning older, like, or or, like what? I mean, obviously Snapchat was for younger and to go after younger users, but like, what is the demo of somebody who uses a mental health app?
3: Well, for our demo, I mean, we've got a pretty, it's got a remarkably even distribution from age 18 to 75, slight over-index in um, millennials. So Rich, you might be contributing to that. Um, Slight skew towards... (laughs) Slight skew towards uh, female, you know, our audience tends to be more sort of urban or suburban with, uh, at least in the U.S., a concentration on the coast. And but I think, look, moving forward as we make the product, you know, more diverse and inclusive, as the normalization of mental health continues, um, as we do more things like Netflix, I think you'll see the demo get a lot broader and more representative of the general population.
1: Maybe just, um, you know, we've touched on it a few times, but we haven't really dug into it. Headspace for work and headspace for education. How do those businesses actually work? Like, obviously, you're not, the consumer is not actually, or the, the user is obviously not paying directly. How does it actually, like, how do you market it? Like, are you going, do you have a whole sales force that's going out, calling on enterprises? Is it incomings only? Like, what does that business look like and how do you manage it?
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take that one, Sean. Um, in the, the enterprise space, uh, we segment the market into small business, mid market, and enterprise. Uh, so think of it as B two B, and those are the segments within there. On the um, on the on the small business side, it's more incoming with some lead gen that takes place, but it's more of a self service type model. And then on the mid market, we have an inside sales staff that does that covers that. And then on the enterprise. We literally have enterprise grade salespeople that are used to dealing with and calling into the C-suite of those organizations, mainly because, you know, the complexity of those sales, but also the size of the employee bases. And most of those have global footprints. So when we're going in and selling a global company, uh, enterprise company, we're literally looking at what do we need to do for all of the countries that you serve? Uh, And then the employer is covering the cost of that. Uh, deployment, an education. Um, it is, uh, you know. I, I'd actually like to share a little bit about what we're what we're planning on education. So we make it free for educators today, um, for for all the right reasons. Um, but our and, and just to be
1: clear, so if you're a teacher, you can download and use this app for free right now.
4: Yes, correct, correct. And and our goal is uh and this is going to take us some time to get launched but our goal is to actually change behaviors in the next generation so that they make mindful living much more of a habit and so our goal over the next few years is to make it free to everyone who's under the age of 18. Um, and and that way we think we could and if you think about it if we could get that incorporated into classroom curriculum um, you know and we teach better habits on our youth you know we think that's part of our responsibility for giving back to society
0: So let's hit, I think we have basically a minute left. Um, maybe a good way to end it is, is again, um, you already mentioned a pretty impressive revenue number. Do you have a a longer term target to get to, I don't know, 500 million by 2025, a billion by a certain time frame? Well, like, What are your long term um, kind of <laughs> targets in terms of, well, I would look at revenue, but... Um, if you consider something differently, but it seems like a lot of the comps in the market are trading off of multiples of revenue. So, and it's, you know, good margin business, so.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think we're ready to disclose it, Walt, but uh, I think suffice to say that, you know, we have really aggressive growth goals and these are not kind of pie in the sky goals. These are goals where, you know, we've had multiple iterations of a model underneath them that our senior leadership team signed off or signed off on we've presented to our board that our board have kind of given us feedback on and ultimately approved as a as a five-year plan so um yeah we're really excited about about you know the future and and where we're headed
1: and maybe just to tie in to put a, a you know kind of wrap this up like when you think about sort of that long-term plan has it changed meaningfully in the last nine months because of what you've seen? I mean, you know, CC sort of mentioned sort of like the normalization or that we all need mental health after this incredibly fucked up year that we've all just been through. I probably shouldn't have said that, but, uh, but like it it was, I think that's the best word for what this past year has been for all of us. And so has it dramatically altered? Like, has your trajectory gone, whatever it was like, you know, is it, has the curve changed dramatically?
3: Yeah, I think the, the opportunity has certainly, uh, ramped dramatically. And, you know, we are all about, you know, seizing that opportunity and, and, uh, and, and, and winning. So, you know, that's, that's what we're focused
1: on. Okay. Look, we've loved having you. This is, uh, I think everyone, if you haven't downloaded Headspace, everyone should download Headspace, give it a trial run. Um, and, um, We'll hope to have you back in the future and talk about your continued progress and growth and CC. Sean, thanks for doing this.
4: Yeah, thank you for having us.
3: Thank thanks you. for having us. All the best.